Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's showtime. 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 It's showtime. Showtime! And now, here is your host, Warwick Merry. Welcome to another episode of Get More Success, and I'm delighted today to have with me here in the studio, Asterix Spare Room, Anna Coates. Hello, Anna. Hello, Warwick. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you. Hey, now, Anna, I've had you along here today because you have had an interesting journey that I think is more and more common and more and more important to share that it is a, a possible option. So, But before we get started, I wanted to ask you the question that I ask nearly everybody that comes on the show. How do you define success? If I knew that, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. I will be honest. I, don't, I think success is whatever you want it to be, Better be it how happy you are, how much money you're making. Not that I think that's necessarily going to make you successful, um, you know, is how much your family love you, how much the people around you love you. You know, success is what you want it to be and it's your own personal thing and go with it. <laughs> so do you measure success in any way? Like what does it take for you to be successful? Um, right at this moment, getting good marks at uni <laughs> <laughs> and getting nice feedback from my clinical educators. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, it's having people around me who love me and care about me and my cat giving me lots of cuddles. There you go. So let's go back. You've just mentioned university, but I want to go before that yep. because when I first met you, you had finished, you've got a, a, a university degree in uh, communications, business communications, yep. and you've got a, a master's in technology. No, master's in marketing Marketing. Or fluff, as I like to call fluff. it. Fluff. Um, but also, you have a real bent for technology because you were working at MIOB, yep. then Racing Victoria. And then and, and started my career at Telstra and then and ended up going back to Telstra. Going, well, everyone you know. goes to Telstra. <laughs> everyone in, in goes Australia, to Telstra. In Australia, in IT or marketing, everyone works at Telstra. <laughs> Either yep. as a contract or an employee. That's the rules. And if it's like every actor has to go on Neighbours. Like, that's just how it works. It's pretty much the rule. You know, so my boss said to me yesterday, oh, do you know such and such that work at Telstra? And I'm like, yeah, there was 30,000 people there, mate. We all work there. <laughs> that's a bit point. like when you meet someone from overseas. They go, oh, you're from Australia. Do you know Bob? And you're like, yeah. Yeah, and then well, it's it's really weird when you actually do. That's yeah. Well, I'm from Tasmania, so oh, well, you, you know go. I get that all Jeez. the time. Oh, that is fantastic. All right, so tell me a bit about your work in the corporate world, like because you were a very hard worker. You you were quite successful on the positions that you held. Like you had a senior position at, at Racing Victoria. Yeah, yeah. So I was a customer development manager at Racing Victoria, and I worked there for four years after I finished my masters in marketing. Um, which I did while I was at MYOB. Um, and both of those jobs kind of were really, really interesting and exciting and I loved both of them so much. Um, racing, I set up, it was sort of when social media took up, I set up their Twitter, I set up their Facebook at the time, had a very supportive manager who sort of let me run with that. Um, which was really, I'm really, really grateful for also. And you had some real problems because like, the racing industry, you know, A, there's a lot of gambling, B, there's 
um, a lot of anti-cruelty campaigners who'll jump on social media and have a go. So it's not like it's just a, yeah, we put the business on Facebook and said, hello, look at us. Like there was some real challenges with that. Yeah, there were, and especially well at the time and continuing, there was a lot of stuff around jumps racing yep. and, um, you know, you sort of was really good, actually. I can put out a sh- shout out to some, oh, some guys that I met from at a sports group thing back in 19, 2008. Hey, Sean Callanan at Sports Geek, um, who sort of said, you know, just go with it, let things just roll through, it will happen and it'll all peter itself out. Don't get self involved. So, my boss kind of saw that we went to this presentation and he saw that and went, oh, yeah, let's just give it a go and roll with it because he was quite worried about sort of some of that controversial mm, stuff. Mm. Um, but it did kind of just play itself out generally and probably social media wasn't quite as – we're sort of talking more the 2008s and 9s as opposed to the 2015s now. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it, it sounds like the whole adage of don't feed the trolls was one that you applied severely. Very severely, yeah. Um, I think there was only one guy that I ever had to sort of really talk to. He was making some very disparaging remarks about a particular trainer and I said, look, mate, this is the, you know, we're the corporate body for this. I understand you have these views. However, if you keep posting stuff about him, I'm going to have to ban you. Mm. And he went... Oh, okay, not a problem. <laughs> he never passed me again. So that was all, Fantastic. all very handy. So what happened after... Because I need to also say, not only were you very active in in this realm, you're also a little bit of an opera singer, aren't you? I I do sing as a hobby, yes. A little diva? Well, I have my moments, <laughs> as we all do. Um, yeah, I've, I have sung pretty much my whole life, I guess, and then dipped in and out of it. Um, at various points in time, but yeah, was very fortunate to probably from when I finished my masters in marketing, I kind of got back into it and went to a lovely lady by the name of Laura Sinan for a few years, who's quite well known, and then Adrian McInerney, who um, is a singer, and he's he, they both of them were fantastic and mm. had a ball, and then I became a student, and now I'm too broke. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about that. So you've gone from Racing Victoria, then what happened? So my position was made redundant, as the is the politically correct term to say, rather than you oh, got it was sacked. made redundant. Yeah, no, I didn't get sacked. It was a genuine. There wasn't enough Restructure money around. Restructure in the organisation. Yes, but you know, and that was certainly wasn't the first time that that had happened. But to that's me. also corporate life now. Like no matter where you are, there's you know there's going to be a real the the day of you start with a company and you end with a company sixty years later is gone. As far as I'm concerned, never existed. Yeah. So yeah. So. I was, my positions were first made redundant. Um, I was 27 at working at Telstra and they gave me a lot of money and I was very fortunate to take that money and go off overseas for a couple of years and backpack around the US and spent some time working for a couple of really great companies in London, mm-hmm. including lastminute.com, which is probably where my love of all things IT really sort of took off. Um, and then Visa ran out, came back to Australia and, and then that's sort of when Masters started and working at NYOB started and, and then into racing. So I've been through probably four major spill and fill slash redundancy situations in, during that time. Um, and a couple of times I came out of it with a position at the end and a couple of times I didn't come out with it a position at the end. 
And I think that's very normal, especially in marketing. It's very cutthroat. It's very about who the leader is. And it's come on board, get results quickly or you're gone. Pretty much. And, you know, marketing is all about the people around you and sort of who you have around you. So leaders tend to bring in their own teams and what they want and the ethos that they want. And it is relatively personality driven and... Mm -hmm. um, you know, if people, I'm uh, more of, so even though I started out in PR with a PR degree, I've actually never worked in PR a day mm-hmm. in my life. Um, uh, but, and ended up working in database marketing and probably at the antithesis <laughs> of PR. And, you know, I love an Excel spreadsheet and a bit of a pivot table and a few V lookups. Um, but that's kind of the area that I specialized in. And if it's not an area that, a new marketing person sort of at the time thought was important or, you know, I was very into the internet even in, back in the 90s and I remember a particular marketing director saying to me, oh, I'm sure I'll get into that internet thing one day and I just stood there and went, lady, it's already here, you know, and that was my position at Telstra that I was made redundant from. So, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. didn't have that same ethos as her and and I, but at the time even then I kind of looked around and went, what does it take to succeed right here, right now? And I went, actually, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when I, I'd actually, I was very fortunate actually. I, I got, my position was made redundant on the Friday and I had another role offered to me within the company on the Monday and I decided to take the money right. and travel, which was a decision that I made standing in front of a building in Sydney and I went, oh, do I, I've worked so hard on my career and I'll be 20, you know, I'm 27 and I'll be 30 by the time I get back. You know, do I really want to, you know, go backwards? And I went, because, you know, I'll be 30 by the time I get back and that's so old. And then I kind of <laughs> went, and then I've got another 30 years to work on my yeah. career if that's what I really want to do. And that's when I just decided, hey, let's go overseas. Take the money and run. Yeah, yeah. So how do you go with your resilience? Because... Obviously, it's got to be hard on the soul getting retrenched or reorganized or what did you call it before? Um, stuffed and fluffed? No? <laughs> no, I just, <laughs> no, that was fluffy marketing chick. Right. Um, which is what I like to call myself. Well, like to call myself. Um, I, you know, back in the, back when I was in my 20s, I thought the worst thing that could happen was to lose your job mm. and to be made redundant and all those sorts of things. And now it's happened a few times and it's far from the worst thing that can happen to mm-hmm. you. Um, you know, you kind of just got to learn to bounce back, dust yourself off, you know, have a cry, have a, have a whinge, you know, go through it, talk to your friends, see a psychologist, do whatever you need to do. Mm. But, you know, it's so not the worst thing can happen. In fact, you know, probably the best things that have happened to me have happened as a subsequence of a position being made redundant. Right. So, you know, it does make you sit back take stock and go, okay, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to make this work? Yeah, yeah. What's next? Okay, so you were re- reorganized, rearranged and retrenched out of uh, Racing Victoria. Yep. Then what? So, and it was probably very much at that point where I went. Because you've been I... there four years? Is four, it? Yeah, I've been there for four years. And that, look, four years now is is like, that's a, almost a long time at an organisation. Well, that's the longest I've ever been at an organisation right. at that point, you know, and I was, you know, nearly 20 years into my career at that, you know, 18, 20 years into my career. Um, 
I was at that point and I remember I was sitting at my favourite cafe in Ligon Street in Brunswick East because that's where I kind of hang. Hello, small block. Um, <laughs> my home away from home. Um, and I thought I either have to learn to deal with this and be okay with it and, you know, and I knew that I could dust myself off and find another job but I kind of went, is this really what I want to be doing for another 20 years? Is marketing really what I want to see myself doing? I was thinking, I want a job <clears throat> that I can work part-time in eventually. Marketing's not really a part-time mm. job kind of thing, especially in what, what I was doing. Um, I wanted a job that maybe I could work from home, run my own business. And, and I just couldn't see how marketing was going to do that. I didn't really want to be a marketing consultant. I'm not generalist enough. I don't actually have the skills to you know, write ad copy and a press release and do the database side of things and all that sort of stuff. And I didn't want to be the person having to go out and get the business all the time and be that up salesy person because it's just, it's not who I am. Yep. Um, and I kind of looked around as well and looked at the corporate world and went, well, where are the women over 50 in the corporate world? Where are the women over 50 doing things? And I couldn't see them. Mm. And I, I couldn't really see any of those role models and, you know, did I want to be the first? But also I just wanted to do something that was a little bit more fulfilling to the soul, I guess, and not just to, you know, making the corporate dollar. Mm. And I wanted something that was going to, you know, take me up until I'm 70 to work. And I really couldn't see marketing was that vehicle that was going to get me there over the next 30 years. And I, I love marketing. I still love marketing. There's so much interesting and cool stuff at, in it. But I knew at some point I wasn't going to love it. And yep. I didn't want to be that one of those bitter people who's just in a job for the money and in it because I don't know anything else or chain, you know, the golden handcuffs or whatever they yeah, call it. I yeah. thought I just, I don't want to be that person. I've never been that person. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, what am I going to do? What <laughs> am I going to be when I grow up at so 39? And that's what we want to know. So what did Anna choose? Well, I eventually got to the point of choosing speech pathology. So how did you... How did you choose, like, what process did you go through to go from corporate marketing chick, you know, database guru, IT bent, social media to speech pathology? Like, cause there is not much alignment <laughs> no, there's, there's there. there's not a lot of alignment in there, I must confess. So, I, well, I was actually having conversations. I guess part of it was hanging out at Small Block. I met a lot of people who weren't in corporate. So, most of my friends are very corporate, very marketing, very high-flying people. Um, and then I sort of met people who were in their own business and doing design and textiles and healthy kind of stuff and all those sorts of things and kind of started to see that there was a world outside of that corporate world where people were happy and it wasn't all about, you know, chasing mm. corporate structures and position titles and stuff. And so a lot of it kind of was more about what I didn't want to do initially. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to work in IT. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't. And so, and I, but sometimes I think going through what you don't want to be is just as important oh, as what you do want to be. Very much so. It helps narrow the field. At least like, well, I don't need to even look at these things. Yeah. 
Um, and then I had a friend who is a music therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's a music therapist? So that's where you use music as a health form of therapy. F- form of therapy, basically. Right. Okay. Um, and there's amazing studies that show how music. Because it uses a different part of your brain, yeah, and it actually uses your whole brain, so left and right. And there's, I don't know much about it, but no, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, in and there's there's a ton of research. And as listeners know, I sing in a choir, and there's a whole lot of research about how singing in a choir is good for your health, physical and mental health yeah. as well. So it's the same kind of yeah, deal. yeah. So basically, taking that to the next level, okay. and you know, you've got people with dementia who can't tell you their name, but you sing them at their favourite song, and they can finish the song off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so you just uses different parts. So. Um, I have a friend that does that and I was kind of really interested in doing music therapy but, you know, um, I have a mortgage and I don't have a husband. Uh, so I need it and there's not a lot of work in music therapy. It's sort of still an emerging area. Yeah. Um, but she actually works at a speech pathology clinic and she said, look, you know, music therapy is great but probably not going to sustain you financially, which, you know, is important to mm. me but not the number, you know, it's sort of I needed to find that balance. Yep. And she said, what about speech pathology? And I remember thinking, that sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know. Because naturally, as, as an opera singer, you've got a good ear. Like, yeah. And, and you, because, you know, I'm, it's one of the things I don't sing and it always seems really challenging to get, a, you're singing in a foreign language, typically. Yep. And B, there's the the precise nature of it is, you you've got to be aware of it. So obviously you're pre-trained, so to speak. Yeah, and you know I do I have a good ear. I've got very good relative pitch, not perfect pitch, but relative pitch is actually more important in these things than mm-hmm. perfect pitch. Um, so yeah, so we kind of just, yep, yeah, I kind of thought oh yeah it's working with kids it's giving back a bit um so it's hitting that whole internal fulfillment contribution to society and it's a part-time it's sustainable financially it's got a good future because the health industry there's always people who are going to need it yeah and that was part of it as well i wanted a job where i wasn't going to be made redundant every four Mm. years and that you know you don't really hear of a lot of people in health related professions being you know restructured out of a job Mm -hmm. so i can't and i just thought it's something that you can do when you're 70 you can run out of the front room of your house in a small business it's not about selling you it's about selling your skills which was kind of something that really interested me um and it kind of just clicked and i can't you know like people say oh you're following your passion now anna and i'm like yeah no not really (laughs) (laughs) which i feel makes me feel like a kind of a fraud at times um because I think everyone thinks that because I've sort of done what I've done, it must be the great passion. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, look, it was really quite a pragmatic decision that I took over, you know, a, probably about an 18-month period, you know, bounced it off a lot of people, including your good self, um, to, you know, say, well, what do you think? And everyone sort of that I sort of said, well, I'm thinking about doing this, went, yeah, I can really see you doing that. You know, yeah. it, no one sort of came back and went, oh, that's a really crazy idea. Which, you know, I, um, I'm an only child. My family live um, interstate. So, you know, I look to my friends very much yeah, yeah. and mentors. So, how did your family react to that? Because typically family don't react as well as you want to. Like, I am really, really lucky. My parents have supported me 150% yeah. along right. the way. Um, I think they 
you know, my dad worked at Tel- had the lifelong career. He worked at Telstra for 38 years. Yeah. You know, started when he was 15, left in his 50s. His position was made redundant. Um, but, you know, he was very much, <laughs> take the money and run, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Coates. Take the money and run. Yeah. Um, but my parents, they'd seen me go through, you know, the various restructures and re- and redundancies and they'd seen the toll that it yeah. had taken. And, and that's but they'd also seen me bounce back and they knew yeah. that I could get a, a position. But f- I guess what p- played into my favour was my younger cousin ha- actually was going to a speech pathologist and they'd gone up. They were looking after him in Canberra for six weeks and they were going every, with him every week to see his speech pathologist. So they sort of saw what was oh, happening great. and went... So when I sort of said that to them, they went, yeah, we can really see you doing that. So it was I probably, you know, they've been really very much on the journey yeah. and incredibly supportive. I'm very grateful okay. for that because a lot of parents would probably go, what but do you mean? But it is that whole... You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, I'm sick of this job. I really should just throw it all in and go and do, you know, the my passion or my whatever or something different. Not many people do it. A lot of people will talk about it because it's scary. Like, yeah. And, and, it, like if it's, and I've got to say, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> <laughs> From, you know, I, I did go, once I sort of decided that speech pathology was my thing, I did go and observe a couple of sessions at a clinic and went, oh, yeah, this looks really interesting, but um, I think it's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, I started looking into courses and what I needed to do and all those sorts of things. I I guess I was in a very fortunate position that I did have family and friends around me that were very supportive. You know, I was fortunate that to be in a financial position where I could kind of fudge my way around doing this. So let's let's be let's be crystal clear here. So you've you finished up at the, the corporate world. Yep. Um, so because you applied, you you started, you were doing some study while you were still working corporate. Yeah. So right? I sort of decided that it was what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, so by this point, I'd gone back to Telstra with the basis that I kind of knew that I was probably going to go and study at some point, and speech pathology was going to be it. So I figured. Telstra is a really good place to make some good money yep. without having to manage people. Um, so I went back to Telstra. That I knew that it was probably a shorter-term thing rather than the yep. long-term yep. career mo- move. So I'd applied to get into speech pathology um, and got accepted. But I probably initially wasn't... I was. I hadn't studied biology since year 11 and I had to get a tutor. <laughs> so yeah. I was like... Can I actually do all this sciencey stuff? You know, I've got a very great, I've got an amazing business education background, but you know, I didn't know that cranial nerves even existed. <laughs> and now I can probably no, I can't tell you all twelve, but you know, I can tell you the ones that at I need to know. At least you know there's twelve. I'm like, <laughs> cranial nerves? What the hell? Oh, there's twelve. Oh yeah, there's yeah, twelve. I'll take a dozen. <laughs> um, so I kind of thought, let's just put our big toe in the water. And again, I was very. One thing I'll say, everything that I've asked for with this, it's all come back to me, you mm. know, and I've kind of gone, I went to my boss in the December and said, look, I've been accepted into this course. I'd like to go part-time next year. I'm going to study part-time and work part-time if that's okay with you. And she sort of went, 
oh, don't you want a career in digital? And I remember sitting on the phone going, how do I answer this? Um, <laughs> how do I say no but make it sound like a yes? <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, I was really lucky. I said, look, you know, I'm looking at my career for the ne- over the next 20 years and it's probably not, you know, in corporate, blah, blah, blah. Fortunately, she'd done the sort of sea change and moved up to the uh, Sunshine Coast. So, she sort of understood where I was coming from. Um, and we were a similar age. So I was very lucky. and I, But I was also very pragmatic. I said, look, if you say no, I'm not going to go. I quit and, you know, all those sorts of things. I said, I'm putting it out there. Whatever comes back, I can do one subject. I can do two. However it works, we'll work through it. I don't have to make a decision until March. You know, so I gave her some time. So I don't think she felt pressured. Yeah, great. And I don't think the business felt pressured that, you know, I was, you know... Um, I don't believe in ultimatums and yeah. I didn't. I wasn't going to make an ultimatum. Um, anyway, they came back within the week and said, yeah, that's fine. Great. And, you know, the great thing about Telstra is they do have a really good, mm. you know, that sort of thing. So, f- for the first semester, so I decided to do two subjects. I did anatomy and physiology and two sort of fluffy health subjects, which were very... And one of them was the easiest subject I've ever done at university. And <laughs> But anatomy and physiology was seriously challenging um certainly nothing that i could you know rely on my business background for <laughs> um so that was sort of my big putting my big toe in the water and i think the first semester i was at you know 85 percent at telstra and the second semester i was at 90 percent. so you know you know that flexible working that they have really worked in my favor um so yeah so i did anatomy and physiology and did well and decided during that year that I really wanted to make the change that, and if I was going to do it, I sort of got to the end of the of first year, that sort of first year and went, what am I going to do next year? And it was like, okay, if I keep going part-time, it's going to take me a really long time mm. to get this done. Because you were early 40s when you started? Uh, yeah, I was 41. Right. Yeah, 41, 42. And and the degree is a four year course. Yeah, isn't so it's a four it? year. So part time eight, year, eight, eight years. years yeah, you know. part time eight years, and you actually can't do the last two years part time, or they don't really like yeah, you because yeah, there's yeah. all these clinics and yada yada. And yada. then you got to start from the bottom. You're essentially a graduate at fifty. Yeah, which I kind of, and I started to think about it. So I went, I was sort of trying to work out, and I had to do two sub, two the other two first year subjects, which I knew were going to bore me senseless. <laughs> Because, um, you know, it was social determinants of health and individual determinants of health. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not really. That's not going to inspire me to want to keep going on. So I went, I spoke to the university and they ended up letting me overload. And so in, so I decided that I would quit work and finish first year and second year in 2014. Right. So that was a big. So first semester I was doing six subjects. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I made the decision once they sort of said that. I thought, well, I'll be done in three years. Yeah. Sort of did some of the sums financially and worked okay. out what I could do. So you've you've had a very, as you say, a very pragmatic approach all along. So let's just talk. Just so the listeners are crystal clear, let's talk financials. Mm. So uh, you've got a bit of a part-time job that sort of comes and goes a little uh, bit. Yeah, so I work but, 15 hours a week. Yeah, and that um, flexes with your student hours. Yeah. And you're the oldest person in the class? 
Like yes. double the age of most people in the class? Y- yes, there is another person over 40 in the class. Um, there's a few 30-year-olds, yep. a few sort of mid to late 20s, and then, yeah, pretty right. much I hang out with 20 to 21-year-olds Yeesh. all day, every day. Fantastic. Um, and so that means your are, are you is this course, this exercise of going back to uni, has this been cost-neutral for you? Or have you been drawing down on your mortgage to get drawing through? Drawing down on my mortgage. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, and I'm and I wanted to highlight that because that shows this is the commitment of doing it, and it's a a considered decision of for, for the three year period. Yep. You're going to be drawing down on your mortgage marginally, and going backwards financially. Going backwards financially, all to put you in a position to then go forward to essentially set up a lifestyle for the rest of your life. Yeah, a lifestyle and a job that I can do until I'm seventy. Yeah. You know and. You know, in this, you know, you listen to what the politicians are saying, and they're like, "Well, retirement age is going up," and it's like, who's actually employing the people over sixty? You know, when you know, one of my things for my friends who work in the corporate world is, when was the last time you employed somebody over sixty, brand new to a business, into a role that was not, yeah, you know, something? And you know, they just look at me and I go, "Well, that's going to be us." In not too distant future, who is going to be employing us? Yeah, and I saw some information from a futurist recently saying that kids born today are going to live to at least till they're 100. So it's just like you're going to need more money to survive that long. So you're going to have to work longer regardless of retirement age. Yeah, and but also, but you also have to be prepared to employ these people. Correct. And who are the people that are prepared to say, I'm going to employ a brand new person to our organisation who's over 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not rare. Bunnings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or something that's very unskilled. It's, yep. you know, where are those... And, it, you know, okay, boards and all those sorts of things, but we're not all board member people. And, and let's face it, there's way more men out there that age than women. Yes. You know, and that's the honest truth. And, and women are behind the eight ball, you know. And, yeah. And if they do get a job, they get paid less. Yeah. So, you know, it was very much a, well, what am, what am I going to do and, yeah. and where is it all so going to be So has this, like, uh, peaked interest in people that you talk to who go, what, you went corporate and now you're going back to school? Yeah, I've had, <laughs> I feel, I think I'm a little bit of a, you know, weird-ass role model. <laughs> um, you all know, the hippies are like, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> it's been really quite weird, you know, because I have had a lot of people saying to me, oh, as I said before, you're following your passion and I'm like, no, I made a very considered pragmatic decision. But I think, you know, I did jump off that cliff mm. and go, okay, let's give it a go. I'm very glad that I was quite ignorant about what I was mm-hmm. going off to do because had I known how much linguistics and grammar I had to do, I probably never would have done it. But that's but that's pretty common. People who do these amazing stuff, they're like, man, if I knew what I knew, I wouldn't have. Mm. And it's that whole and, – and even something as simple as I know, and I know – um, some people, when they're like getting a pet or something, they're like, man, if I knew everything I had to do when I got this bloody dog, I would not have got it. Yeah. Um, but it is that ignorance is bliss because now after you've got it, you're like, well, I'm not giving it up. Exactly. And, you know, like I did some basic sums about how much money I would need. You know, I thought about how what it was going to happen. You know, there are very certain points in my life where I go, that's 2017 and it's a problem. Let's not worry yeah, about it yeah. quite now. And there was a lot of that as well of just going, you know what, I've got enough money to get through this week. You know, I knew I needed to get a job. Um, I worked out how much money I needed to earn over the three thousand over the three years to make sure that you know I sort of came out not not too backwards, not too broke backwards, and not too broke. Yeah. Um. 
So, you know, I was very... And so you did, like, you, did you talk to the bank and say, okay, I'm going to have to adjust my mortgage payments or can I go interest only or anything like that? Or I haven't at this stage, but... Um, but you, because you would have got severance packages from the racing or whatever, so you would have just dumped it on a mortgage or something. So you were ahead on your mortgage, were you? Or? Um, uh, it's a long story, but I won't okay. bore you all. So the answer is sort of. Let's not mention to the banks that I haven't paid the mortgage fully for a while. Okay. Um, not yeah, yeah. We yeah. borrowed and, 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 some extra money to pay. So this to get becomes through. you do what you got to do to get to get what you want. Yeah, and it's and I've sort of gone. I've. I'm like, I've, let's invest in my own future. Yeah. Let's invest in me. Let's just go, you know what? We're going to have a bigger mortgage. We're going to do a few things that are probably not fiscally responsible right now, but actually for my long-term fiscal future, they are and, sound And so decisions. we're talking about delayed gratification. Like yeah. there's short-term pain, but the gain long-term is far, yeah. far greater. Yeah. So it's been a hell of a journey for you, and you're not at the end. You're in your final year right final, now. Yeah, so just started final year last week. Fantastic. Week. And so at the end of final year, it then becomes the whole, well, now I'm a graduate again on a graduate salary out there going, well, I might have to get another job to support myself. Yes. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. But I look forward to hearing how that, uh, how that turns out. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, I think, you know, part of it is the whole journey has been, I guess, Learning to be a beginner again. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's probably one of the things. Because, like, you had a really senior, you've had senior positions. So, to, to go back and be a beginner, that must have been a hell of an adjustment. It, it is. And much harder, you know, I kind of, it was at my first paediatric placement last year. Because I kind of, you do sort of all the academic stuff. And then last year was sort of the first year that you sort of get into placement um, in third year. And, I was watching my clinical educator doing some work, my CE, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just second nature to you and I have to think about it so (laughs) much. And I suddenly went, because I've been doing this for two weeks, you know, and I stopped and I really had to go, and she's been doing it for six years or eight years or however long she's been doing it. And I suddenly went, oh yeah, I'm a beginner again. I can be a beginner. I don't know anything more than the 20 year olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's okay. Yes, I've got more life experience, but I don't actually have more clinical experience. Yeah. And it's okay to be a bit rubbish. Yeah. And I think that's probably been my biggest lesson okay. throughout the years is it's okay to be a bit rubbish at stuff because I am a beginner. Yeah, yeah. You know. so, so, yeah, so that, that's a really good lesson for people to go. If you're trying this new stuff, you can't take the status of I'm the senior person with you when it's completely new no you really can't and it, you know i don't know what i'm doing half the time <laughs> and i do have to wing it and i think look i can probably wing it better than a 21 year old yeah but because i've had to wing it a million times before and i'm kind of and i have that personality but you know i do have to study and think and go actually that was really quite rubbish yeah. so what are some other key lessons that you've learned during this process of having to step backwards before you step forwards? Um, certainly embrace being the mature, d- daggy age student sitting up the front asking all the questions. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, and especially being with a bunch of 20-year-olds, realising that they're actually your peers yeah. while you're while you're older than them and you've got more life experience, when it comes to being a speech pathologist, they are your peers. They are the people that you're going to be working with 
for the next 20 years that you are going to be seeing. So yep. you don't have to treat them like they are, like they're stupid. or they young got, whippersnapper. Yeah, you know, and the, you know, the, I mean, I'm really lucky. The girls, there's two boys in our course and 98 girls. So <laughs> I tend to call them the girls. Um, you know, they're fantastic. You know, I really, you know, I have a lot of fun. And I mean, I, it's kind of weird because in a way I'm not married. I don't have kids. Sometimes I feel like I have more in common with them than I do with my friends who are married. So did they kids. take you out night clubbing? Uh, we haven't been out night clubbing, but we've had a few few drinking nights. Excellent. That's good. <laughs> yes. So what other lessons have you have you had to relearn or learn in doing this process? Um, don't get caught up in your marks. Right. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of pressure that I've put you end up putting on yourself because you are that daggy mature age student and you're meant to get all A's or HD's <laughs> or whatever. And it still is a, a fact of life that P's get degrees, yep. um, which I lived in my undergraduate bar. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and I've done quite well marks-wise during my, this time, but if I didn't get an A, it, that's okay as well. Like, you don't have to be that... It is that letting go of perfection. Yeah, letting go of perfection and, you know, it is, you know, and finding stuff hard and admitting that it's hard. Yeah. Um, my first doing linguistics and is the hardest subject I've ever had to do at university full stop. I had to practice every single day and that's probably the lesson that I learnt was... And one of my friends that I did my master's in marketing with said to me, yeah, yeah, but you, what, you actually had to work hard. Good on it. You know, like she was, you know, I'm fairly, when you're doing marketing, it was what I'd done for 20 years. So it was all very second you nature to me and yeah, I knew yeah. it. Whereas this is stuff that I really had to go back so and So you've really learn. gone back to that like unconscious incompetence, conscience incompetence. Conscious competence to now, ultimately, you'll get to the unconscious competence. Yeah. You've really gone back to that model. Yeah, very much so. So, you know, like crazy stuff like if you say hopped, at the at, even though it's spelt E-D, it's got a T at the end of it. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And stuff that you go, oh, yeah, never really thought about it like that. But, and going, oh, okay. And then, you know, what actually has the D sound versus the T sound and the same with S and Z for plurals. And you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, who knew? And then there are four different types of verbs. Did you know there was four different? Nope. Managed to get through the. That's playing part of it as well. I managed to get the last through the last forty years without needing to know this. Why do I need to know it now? Yeah, and that's it because you're now in a different realm. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, um, what does the future hold for Anna? Obviously, more study. Yes. So, yeah, final year, lots of placement. I think I've got seventy days of placement to do. Right. And the other thing is exams. Exams suck. Yeah. <laughs> and they still suck. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's been an amazing uh, to hear the, the journey that you've been through. Yes, it, it's, it continues. It's, it's, a, um, it's a very brave thing. As I say, a lot of people talk about it. Not many do it. So kudos to you for actually doing it. I think it's, again... If you had known what it was going to take, you wouldn't have done it. Or, or, but maybe they, you would have. Yeah, look, but it's just that, that, as you say, ignorance is bliss with some of these big decisions. Yeah, and it, but it's also just making, you know, sometimes just making the decision is all you have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of let it flow as it flows. But, you know, I don't, you know, have there been moments when I've gone, what the have I done? Absolutely. Um, 
but there's not been not one point where I've regretted the decision. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's you know, I've had to embrace it and embrace it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um and just you know, if it's what you want to do, what I've realized is if it's really what you want to do, you do make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't let money or prestige or any of those sorts of things stop you. Like it's hard. Um but you know, you know, you kind of listen to all those things about what people say on their di- on their deathbed and it's not I wish I'd made more money or I wish I'd spent more time at work. You know, it is that I spent time with the people that I love and yep. doing the things that I love and that's kind of where I've come at it from, which is all very corny and <laughs> you but know it's you know, but it's it's it sits with you and that's what it is. Yeah, and it's you know, it is it was a very pragmatic decision, but certainly not and you know, it ha- it hasn't been all you know, step toeing through the tulips, you know. <laughs> Dancing down the road, but I feel like it's definitely the right decision for me. And you know, and yeah. I've still, you know, by the time I finish, I'll be forty-five. I've got twenty-five years to be a speech pathologist, and I think you need to think about it in those terms as well. Yeah. I think you sort of go, "Oh, but I'm forty, so that's just too old." And it's like, but I still got to work for another twenty yeah, years. Yeah, and yeah. I think people sort of forty, you're not even halfway. Yeah, you've sort of got to think about it more in well, how long have I got to be it rather than yep. how long I wasted not doing it. Yeah, but yeah. I also I didn't want to be a speech pathologist in my twenties. Yeah. Um, you know, and if someone had just said to me that I was doing this even, you know, in two thousand and five, I said, What would have said, What are you talking about? <laughs> and you know, that I'm sure Warwick, if you remember the first me, I don't think any of us ever thought that nah, this you know, not at all. Not you know, at all. and it is being open to the path of oh okay what what is going to happen yeah, what yeah. might happen and you know just making the de- sometimes making the decision is all you need to do yeah, yeah great thank you so much for coming in today and Pleasure. having a chat it's been fantastic talking with you if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about your process or get some strength and and of making this kind of decision <laughs> What's the best way to get in touch? Is it on social media? Yeah, I know probably you're a bit of a Twitter. Twitter fiend. Yes, at MCAL, A-M-C-A-L, as in the chemist, okay. um, is me. And we'll put some links on the, the, the notes page. So if you want to get in touch with Anna and have a conversation, find out more. Please do. Or if you are a speech pathology practice and need an upcoming speech pathologist, she would love to hear from oh, you. Couldn't think of anything more exciting. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Warwick. You've been listening to the Get More Success Show. Look forward to having you back next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and we hope you can get more success.